All right, everybody. It is Tuesday, February 7th. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. This is the place where we bring you just the facts and reread all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Jill is under the weather today, so I'm doing the podcast solo. We're sending her a bunch of soup and tea so she can get better and uh, get her voice back. But it is a very busy news day. Tonight, we're watching two expected events at 9 p.m. Eastern. President Biden will deliver his annual State of the Union address that will be carried live on pretty much every network and a bunch of streaming services. And then at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, LeBron James could make history if he scores 36 points to become the all-time NBA scoring leader. And those are just two things we're watching tonight. There's a bunch of other news happening. Let's get to the headlines. The tragedy grows in Turkey and Syria as the death toll continues to increase into the thousands from that powerful earthquake in the Middle East Monday morning. We have some new details on that Chinese spy balloon, the recovery effort, where those pieces are going. And we're also learning from U.S. intelligence officials in the last 24 hours just the number of Chinese spy balloons that have floated over U.S. territory over the course of the Trump and Biden terms. As I mentioned, we'll talk about that big State of the Union address we expect tonight with a focus today on the economy. The FBI announced Monday the arrest of a neo-Nazi boyfriend-girlfriend team that had plans to bring down the power grid for the city of Baltimore. We have an update for you on what retailers and pharmacies are doing about theft. You may have noticed all those things being locked up. Well, it's getting a mixed reaction among customers, and it's meeting some mixed results for these stores' bottom lines. If you head out to a movie starting this weekend, AMC has a brand new pricing plan and buying a ticket there is sort of going to be like buying a plane ticket. I'll explain. And I'll have on this day in history, it's a big day in presidential pet history, as well as a historic night for TV. All right, let's start here abroad, where rescue workers are desperately trying to find survivors in Syria and Turkey after that powerful 7.8 magnitude earthquake rocked the region early on Monday morning. As we tape this late on Monday night, authorities believe more than 4,000 people may have been killed and thousands more injured as the quake toppled buildings across northern Syria and southern Turkey early Monday morning, trapping residents under mounds of rubble. The first quake on Monday was measured at 7.8, and then hours later, a 7.5 magnitude quake struck just about 60 miles away from the initial epicenter. The region itself is dealing with dozens and dozens of aftershocks and is expected to in the coming days. Authorities fear that the death toll could keep going up, keep climbing, as rescuers are searching through tangles of metal and concrete for survivors. This is a region, by the way, that already has millions of refugees and displaced people from the decade-plus Syrian civil war. The World Health Organization told the BBC on Monday that it's possible that 20,000 people may have been killed in this earthquake. Rescuers have saved thousands from buildings, but the efforts continue. Already, tens of thousands of survivors are homeless in Turkey and Syria, facing nights in the cold. It is winter there. In Turkey's Gaziantep, that's the provincial capital about 20 miles from the epicenter, people are taking refuge in shopping malls, mosques. This region is no stranger to earthquakes. It's on top of major fault lines. It's actually the place where three major tectonic plates meet, the Anatolian plate, the Arabian plate, and the African plate, which are constantly moving and then very prone to earthquakes. Back in 1999, about 18 15,000 people were killed in a similarly powerful earthquake that hit northwest Turkey. On the Syrian side, the area is divided between government-held territory and the country's last opposition-held enclave. Remember, part of this is the site of the Syrian civil war, and so that is making the rescue efforts even more difficult. On the Turkish side, you actually have millions of refugees, Syrian refugees, 
from the civil war. So you've displaced people in northern Syria. You have refugees uh, who are basically have been living in tents up there. And so that has meant that many of them live in basically temporary homes, which were not built for earthquakes. The White Helmets, that's an opposition emergency organization that helps the rebels in Syria going up against the government, say that the area has about 4 million Syrians displaced from other parts of the country. Many of them live in buildings that have already been wrecked by past bombardments. Many countries around the world announced help on Monday, sending search and rescue teams, medical supplies, money. The offers and teams are pouring in from dozens of countries across Europe and NATO region. Turkey is heavily involved here. The Russians have sent teams. Uh, there's even an Israeli promise of help to the Syrian government. Those governments are enemies. The Israelis have also sent teams to the Turkish side. The U.S., for its part, is sending multiple teams, disaster response teams, search and rescue teams, as part of the U.S. Agency for International Development. That's USAID. It's part of the State Department. They're deploying search and rescue teams from fire departments in L.A. County, as well as Fairfax County, Virginia. Many of you have been asking how to help people there. I've listed a number of organizations over on the Mo News Instagram account. You can go catch that in one of the posts. Okay, now to the latest in Balloon Watch, now in many, many pieces in the Atlantic Ocean. The military, the U.S. military said on Monday that it has collected the majority of the debris from the Chinese spy balloon that was shot down three days ago off the East Coast. A U.S. Navy dock landing ship, the USS Carter Hall, is near where the balloon splashed down, just off the coast of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. That is where they're collecting and categorizing debris. Some of that debris has already been sent off to the FBI building in Quantico, Virginia. The debris field just off the coast of South Carolina is an area, they say, the size of 15 football fields by 15 football fields, to give you a sense of things. They're still proceeding very cautiously, though, as they collect debris with above-water teams and underwater teams. The military is very concerned that remnants of the balloon's payload could contain explosives or hazardous material, so they're going bit by bit here to ensure safety. We also got some new details Monday on the balloon itself. Military officials telling the media that it was 200 feet tall with a payload the size of a jetliner that weighed in excess of a couple thousand pounds. Keep in mind here as they talk about the debris field being several miles wide, the large size of the payload, and the concern about explosives, that was part of the rationale, part of the argument the military was making against shooting it down over land the last few days. To give you a further sense of comparison as to the size of the spy balloon, it was about four times as tall as the most recent Snoopy balloon at the Macy's Parade and twice the size of the last Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. Hopefully that also helps you with a sense of how large this thing was. The Pentagon and the White House continue to be asked questions about why they waited a whole week to shoot it down from its first detection uh, a Saturday ago over the Aleutian Islands in Alaska. At the time, military officials now say they didn't think it demonstrated hostile intent. They were monitoring it, and they continued to assess it over Alaska, Canada, and then as it got Tuesday, Wednesday into the Montana area. They add that they consulted NASA on the debris field that this could create when they brought it down, which speaks to, again, their concern about bringing it down over land. Another interesting thing we learned yesterday is how many previous Chinese spy balloons may have already been floated over the U.S. these last four years. They now believe there have been as many as eight spy balloons during the Trump administration's and Biden administration, though many Trump officials say there was no way that happened during their time. Intelligence officials now saying that they're going through reverse collection of intelligence and finding out that they actually didn't detect it at the time. 
and are now just realizing through, again, what they call reverse collection, uh, how many times balloons may have floated over the U.S. Two of those instances, they say, occurred over Florida and one over Texas during the Trump administration. This has created an uproar, unsurprisingly, with senior Trump national security officials and former President Trump saying there was no way this happened during their time in office. But military officials now saying both things can be true, that Trump officials were unaware of it, and they took place. Remember, during the Trump administration, there was a very contentious relationship, a terrible relationship between Trump and the intelligence community. He would constantly criticize them. They didn't trust him with information on how he would react with certain things. So it is totally possible here that, again, the balloons floated over the U.S., some of them undetected, or in some cases, detected, but the president not told about them because of concerns about how Trump might react at the time. So expect to hear more and more about that as we continue to monitor Balloon Gate 2023. In fact, before we get to our sponsors, it's one thing I will be looking out for tonight as Biden delivers his State of the Union address. What is he going to say about the balloons? Okay, before we get to the speed read, I want to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors this week. I want to start with Apostrophe Skincare. If you're having trouble with your skin, looking for more help, you know, drinking more water is just not doing it. This platform is an incredible resource. Apostrophe is an online platform that connects you with expert dermatologists to get customized treatment for your skin. It's really very convenient, and it can help you on your road to a solution for a number of things, from adult acne to dark spots. It's simple to use and can be done from home. You just answer several questions, snap a few selfies, and then a board-certified dermatologist they connect you with will create a customized treatment plan for you. And what's very cool is they're offering a special deal right now to the Mo News audience. You can get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash Mo News. That is a savings of $15, 75% off. To get started, again, just go to apostrophe.com. That is A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E.com slash Mo News. To get started, use our Mo News code, M-O-N-E-W-S, and you'll get your first visit for only $5. All right, let's head now to a game changer in the vitamin and supplement space, Athletic Greens. I've been using their AG1 supplement since the fall. The AG1 powder is just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning, easy, quick, and lets you start your day knowing that you've gotten 75 important ingredients, tons of vitamins and minerals, pre and probiotics to support digestion, really important stuff. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D, Five free travel packs of AG1 as well when you hit the road. You can head over to athleticgreens.com slash monews to take advantage of the offer. You can also get a discounted monthly subscription or try it just one time for a month to see how it goes for you. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S, for this special deal that'll really start to let you take ownership of your health. All right, let's head now to the speed read. At 9 p.m. Eastern tonight, 6 p.m. Pacific, Biden will be delivering his second State of the Union address. You can expect to hear a lot about national security issues, climate change, policing. Uh, But a big issue that many of us will be listening for is what does he say about the economy? According to CNBC, if his recent speeches are any indication, Biden will likely celebrate his handling of the economy in his address tonight, citing decades-low unemployment, slowing inflation rates, and robust GDP growth. But CNBC notes the full picture is far more complicated than you're about to hear tonight. The U.S. economy is still in a delicate state, economists say. While several key indicators still look good, unemployment being at a 54-year low, GDP, how the economy is growing, still showing signs of robust growth. There are a number of issues the economy still faces. Inflation remains at a four-decade high, and that's despite the fact that the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates eight times over the last year, with a few more potentially set to happen. 
It's all part of their goal to bring down inflation while still preventing a recession. It's a very delicate dance here that the president may talk about tonight. The Fed has brought interest rates to between 4.5 and 4.75%. That is their overall benchmark rate. That's the highest since 2007. And with some recent numbers, the Fed could have to bring it up a couple more times. Remember, the president has been criticized for recognizing the inflation issue way too late. They called it temporary. It wasn't temporary. He was even receiving criticism last year from Democrats, from people from the Obama administration who were like, we got to take this seriously. They finally did. So we should note that inflation has been coming down now for a number of months, still higher than they want it to be, not as high as last summer. One thing that's hugely to blame that a number of economists cite too much money in the system from those two huge Trump bailout packages and the Biden big spending package that was passed after he took office. And so that's something to keep in mind tonight as you listen to the address. Also expect to hear tonight a lot of talk about raising the debt ceiling in the next few months to avoid the U.S. defaulting on its debt this June. Republicans in the House right now, they control the House. They're challenging the White House to lower spending before they vote to raise the nation's borrowing limit, which is just over $31 trillion right now. It needs to be raised again. It's been raised 100 times over the last 100 years. It needs to be raised again. Republicans are like, not so fast. Promise us you'll cut some spending. President Biden says, Please raise the debt ceiling like you did under President Trump three times. Republicans say, again, not so fast. So I expect to hear a back and forth on that tonight. Defaulting is a big deal in June if they don't get an agreement. If the U.S. defaults, which it's never done, it could throw the U.S. economy into a tailspin as bad as the Great Recession, according to a number of analysts. Millions of job losses. It could be a very big problem. Okay, our next speed read comes to us from NBC News. The FBI announced yesterday the capture of two people, one of them a nationally known neo-Nazi leader who had plans to launch an attack to bring down Baltimore's power grid. Authorities say that the plan, if successful, could have completely destroyed the whole city, brought down the power grid for maybe a year. The suspects, they're named Brandon Russell and Sarah Daniel. They were taken into custody last week in Florida and Maryland. Brandon Russell is 27 years old. He's the founder of the Atomwaffen Division. That's a neo-Nazi group that's bent on, quote, ushering in the collapse of civilization. Sarah Clendaniel is just a few years older than him. The two apparently met while serving prison time for previous crimes. They then both got out and began to hatch this plan. The pair apparently was working with urgency. Clan Daniel says she's terminally ill with a kidney ailment and was unlikely to live for more than a few months. She apparently thought that this would be a great way to go out. She called it something meaningful before she died. The alleged plot was first flagged uh, more than six months ago, last June, after an FBI informant claimed to have been contacted by Russell. Apparently, he got himself, he was asking questions, and he happened to come upon, unbeknownst to him, an FBI informant. So Russell tells the FBI informant, who's taking vociferous notes, notes here that they wanted to attack electrical substations and were researching ways on how to cause maximum damage. The plot to bring down the power to the city of Baltimore included blowing up five substations, some with parts they believe it would take a year for the city to be able to rebuild and get up and running again. This all comes as there have been multiple attacks on the nation's power grid in the last few months. Uh, Two high-profile incidents we've told you about on this podcast in North Carolina and in Washington State both suspected to have been hatched by other right-wing groups. 
Okay, this next story comes to us from the AP, a story we've been watching for a while now. In the past six months or so, CVS, Target, and other retailers have been locking up more and more everyday items like deodorant and laundry detergent as a way to reduce theft. This is happening across the retail landscape. Businesses putting items under lock and key as a quick way to stop thieves. Some are considering extreme measures, including Rite Aid, if you have a Rite Aid pharmacy near you. Their chief retail officer said late last year that it's looking at, quote, literally putting everything behind showcases to ensure the products are there for customers who want to buy them. It's also considering using off-duty police officers in some of its stores. The National Retail Federation, that's the nation's largest retail trade group, said its latest security survey of 60 retailers found that inventory loss, what they call shrink, is about 1.4%, representing nearly $100 billion in losses. The greatest portion, more than a third now, comes from external theft, including products taken during organized shoplifting incidents, which has seen a major uptick in. Retailers on average saw a nearly 27% increase in organized theft incidents just in the last year. But by trying to solve one problem, these businesses may be creating another, turning off shoppers with overreaching measures. I heard from a number of you on Instagram that if it's under lock and key, you don't bother waiting for an attendant to open it up. You just try to then go find that item online. So while high theft is depleted inventory and limited sales, at the same time, there are stats out that locking up items has reduced sales between 15 to 25%. That's according to a company called Indime, which is a tech company that sells retailers security devices. Speaking of tech, one big tech story we're watching today uh, comes to us from Engadget. Microsoft will be holding a huge event this afternoon. It's believed to be about its latest plans with that AI chatbot, ChatGPT. We've told you about ChatGPT. It really blew up in the fall. It's a popular online tool that can respond to questions in a very human way. It exploded in popularity in the fall. Artificial intelligence that can basically answer your questions, write full essays, poems, dialogue. It's a concern to teachers that uh, students will be using it to cheat. Either way, Microsoft is a huge investor in ChatGPT and apparently will be announcing how to incorporate it into its Bing search engine. Remember Bing? That's Microsoft's search engine that goes up against Google. More on that in a second. Microsoft actually so far has invested billions in open AI in ChatGPT. Apparently, it's committed to a multi-billion dollar deal that is worth $10 billion. ChatGPT will also come to their cloud services. Uh, they're going to have that Bing feature. And there are other ways that Microsoft apparently is looking at collaborating with this artificial intelligence bot. This all comes as their big competitor, Google, has unveiled a competing AI software called Bard. It's only in testing right now, apparently available to a very limited group. But Google is hoping to open it up to the rest of us, to the public, sometime soon. Google is very concerned about AI and ChatGPT eating into their search business, a real threat to their search business, of which they depend heavily on advertising. Some of those results you're getting on Google were paid for, right? So in this case, if ChatGPT, which is working with Microsoft, is much more successful, they're worried that the rest of us will start to leave Google. One stat to take away today as you watch the story, Google right now still commands 84% of the global search market. Bing, meanwhile, 9%. Okay, now to that story I teased at the top of the podcast about theater tickets. Starting this weekend, some tickets at AMC theaters are going to be getting more expensive, and some will be getting cheaper depending on where you sit in the theater. That's as AMC is announcing a new tiered pricing scheme called Sightline. In short, they're going to be pricing movies like you buy airline tickets, where you got to pay extra for certain desirable seats. Also similar to a Broadway show, where you pay more for better seats. And so yesterday, AMC announced their plans on this new three-tiered 
pricing structure, what they call value sightline, standard sightline, and preferred sightline. Value sightline will consist of seats in the front row of the auditorium, as well as select seats for uh, those with disabilities. It'll be the cheapest option and will only be made available to members of their Stubbs Rewards program. So that's the hook there for the cheap seats. Standard sightline, that's sort of your next level up. They're going to be the most common seats in the theaters. They'll be available to everyone and cost the same as regular tickets. And then they're announcing what's called preferred sightline. These will be the most expensive seats. They will be in the middle of the auditorium. Those are the seats that we all race to get. Well, now you'll have to pay extra for them. But we haven't heard yet on the exact prices. Okay, now on to Mo News on this day in history for February 7th, which this week is brought to you by Bull and Branch Sheets. Coming off the coldest weekend of the year for many of us, Bull and Branch is extending their special deal for Mo News listeners. Their sheets are organic cotton. My wife and I have a set. We love them. We have found that they get softer with every wash. Right now, Bull and Branch, that is B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch, is offering 15% off plus free shipping for a limited time with the promo code MONEWS. That is M-O-N-E-W-S. We'll have more on that at the end of On This Day. All right, let's start here with On This Day, a huge day in music history. On this day, 59 years ago, the musical British Invasion began when the Beatles landed in New York City on this day in 1964. Two nights after getting here, they gave their famous performance at the Ed Sullivan Show, which was watched by 73 million Americans, about 40% of Americans at the time. All right, let's fast forward here a couple decades. This is a big day in presidential pet history. I love this story. On this day in 1992, 31 years ago, President George H.W. Bush, that's Bush 41, the father, put out a famous memo to the media and staff to stop feeding his dog, Ranger. This is a real story, and this is amazing. He put out this memo and wrote the following of his dog, Ranger, at the time. Quote, right now he looks like a blimp, a nice, friendly, appealing blimp, but a blimp. It went on to say, and again, this was written by the president and distributed uh, across the White House. It read that he had put his dog Ranger on a, quote, fat reduction program because he was too big. And so he was calling on all offices in the White House to take a pledge to, quote, we agree not to feed Ranger. We will not give him biscuits. We will not give him food of any kind. He apparently also restricted Ranger's access throughout the White House because he was just worried that they were feeding him too much. So anyway, a funny little moment in presidential history there for you. A couple celebrity birthdays today uh, on this February 7th. Garth Brooks turns 61. Comedian Chris Rock is 58. And actor Ashton Kutcher turns 45. A couple more pop culture items before we go. Steven Spielberg's The Color Purple, the award-winning film, opened in theaters 37 years ago today, on February 7th, 1986, America's Most Wanted, many of us remember this TV show growing up, hosted by John Walsh, premiered on this day 35 years ago on Fox, uh, on this day in 1988. It actually helped over 20 years on the air arrest a number of fugitives. And finally, a sign of the times, 32 years ago tonight, the NBC drama LA Law, uh, I remember this, I don't know how many of you do, aired American Network Television's first ever primetime same-sex kiss. It was a kiss between two female characters on the show. Again, the first time we'd seen that on American network television. It was much talked about in the time and repeated on a couple shows, but it was a later moment in the 90s that is much more talked about as revolutionary in same-sex history in America. That is in 1997 with The Ellen Show, when she became the first lead character to come out on primetime television. So the L.A. Law episode with The Kiss happens in 91. The Ellen Show with Ellen coming out happens in 97. But to give you a sense of where things were at the time, ABC would put out a parental warning before episodes of Ellen uh, after she came out. That just gives you a sense of where the country was at the time. And you're just about 26 years ago. 
All right, as we wrap up on this day, a thank you again to Bolin Branch Betting and Sheets for being our sponsor this week for On This Day in History. Hope all of you looking for new sheets for yourself or a loved one, head over to bullandbranch.com. That is B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com. You can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code MONEWS. Again, that's bullandbranch.com, promo code MONEWS. All right, I want to thank you for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast. Wishing Jill a speedy recovery. Hope to have her back here tomorrow. Please follow the show or subscribe to us on whatever app you're listening to the podcast on right now so you don't miss a single episode. We're going to have a couple of great episodes coming up on China in these next couple of days. So be on the lookout for those starting this afternoon. Also, if you can, leave us a review in your podcast app. Just takes a moment. It really helps us continue to grow here. And don't forget to follow me over on Instagram, of course, at Mosh, at M-O-S-H-E-H. I'll have coverage all night tonight of the State of the Union Address, the LeBron James Watch, everything else we're watching, the unexpected that we're watching, and of course, the latest coming from the uh, earthquake aftermath in Turkey. I'll see everyone back here tomorrow.